We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another BuzzBeat. This is Richie, and I appreciate everyone tuning in to another episode. Make sure you guys are subscribed to our podcast feed on Apple, on Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. You guys can get the episodes the minute they do come out. I'll be joined by Brian today as we wrap up our final player reports episode with some of the younger players in Kai Jones, JT Thor, and Bryce McGowan's. Ryan, there's a lot to get into here. I know that these guys didn't play a ton, but I'm sure there's stuff to talk about with them. But before we get into that, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well. Um, enjoying the playoffs, the NBA playoffs so far. I think they've been really fun this season. And uh, yeah, we just say if anyone is listening live, apologies for the delay that was on was on me. Stuck in a bit of I-40 traffic uh, coming from Chapel Hill into Raleigh. And uh, the Hurricanes are playing a playoff game tonight, which is also um, PNC Arena is creating what are normally bad traffic patterns into even worse traffic patterns. But hopefully everyone at the Hurricanes game, including uh, Lee, who's at that game tonight, hopefully everyone has a good time. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing well. Have you been watching any of the uh, the playoffs? Yeah, a little bit here and there. I always watch more when it gets closer to the conference semifinals and the conference finals. The first round, it's just hard for me to kind of keep up with everything that's going on. I usually like pick one or two series in the first round, but as it progresses, I, I tend to watch a little bit more. I watched a little bit of that game last night with the Lakers and the Warriors, and I caught the tail end of it today. And and just like, that, that's a 6-7 series, if I'm not mistaken, which is just so funny to me. Um, those two teams just have so much experience. And I... I always, in the back of my mind, knew that the Warriors, wherever they finished, that they were going to make it out of the first round, and uh, you really can't count them out. And then, obviously, the Lakers, you know, they had some acquisitions at the trade deadline. I think, you know, Vanderbilt being one of them, just chasing around Curry. Dennis Schroeder did that as well, and he's going to get his points, obviously, but they made it difficult for them. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy to see the Lakers ended up winning game one in Golden State there. But I, I think the, I don't know, I think the Warriors come back and win that one. I think it's going to be a long series. Yeah. I picked Warriors in seven before it started on a couple of radio hits that I did uh, in NC. And I don't know, last night made me feel a little bit shaky in that. 
Um, but you know, we will, uh, I still think it's going to be a long series. I'll still give the edge to golden state. Um, you know, but it will be tough, uh, yeah. going forward here. And, uh, you know, they got big shooting nights from a lot of their perimeter guys last night. Um, but I don't think you know, even Steph had I me, mean, Steph was great. Obviously he's always very, very, very good, but, um, even he had, you know, not his best shooting night in, in Vanderbilt as like a six nine chase defender gave him a lot of issues. Vanderbilt, we really do need to start. Like, I, I think he's been a known commodity as like a great defender for a while now. Yeah. Um, and I think what he did last season in Minnesota, given their scheme playing Carl Anthony Towns at, up at the level or almost trapping in against the pick and roll and needing Vanderbilt on the backside to clean up messes and rebound and be a presence at the rim that it, again, he sort of announced himself in, in that regard. But now I think we've seen even more sort of defensive versatility out of him. He hit a huge corner three. In uh, that game. Right on the bench, right in front of the bench. Yeah. It, incredible. I mean, right. He answered a Curry three. It was incredible. The one other thing I would say too, about watching the playoffs so far this year, I mean, there's a, there's a lot, but if we're going to, uh, Keep it Hornets themed here. Um, it has been it has been hilarious. It's been cool to see some of these guys play. Former Hornets play really really well. Like Malik Monk just lighting it up. I mean all season for Sacramento, but but then having an awesome uh, first round series against the the aforementioned Warriors. Seeing McDaniel's on the court for the Sixers is it's just like still like something I quite haven't gotten used to seeing. Uh, in the first round of Clippers, Sun seeing Biombo and Plumley uh, match forces with against one another in the paint. So I don't know. There's there's some there's some weird Hornets ties into uh, to the playoffs uh, as well. But yeah, so just want to give a quick salute to Malik Monk on a, on a great season and uh, and, a, and a good first round uh, his first experience in the playoffs too with the yeah. Kings. Yeah. It wasn't for uh, Curry's crazy output in Game Seven. That could have been a, a different situation. We'd be talking about Monk a little bit more, but yes, yeah. And, and I mean, could you imagine being the kind of just low-rate franchise that would let a player like that just walk for nothing? I mean, that would really. I mean, can you can you believe that 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 would someone would do that? Oh wait, uh, oh yeah, yeah. About that, um, but yeah. Anyways, yeah. that was twenty twenty one. It's a long yeah. time ago. I was I was getting ready to talk about Monk, but let, let let's get on. Let's get on. Uh, <laughs> Some of these other younger players that need some developing. And let's start with Kai Jones, 21 years old, played in 46 games, totaled 550 minutes with Charlotte. And obviously the the counting numbers are not awesome because he just doesn't play a lot. 3.4 points and 2.7 rebounds. He was not actually written in my piece on Substack just because I had an arbitrary 800-minute cutoff, which he did not play enough in Charlotte to meet that limit. I'm going to start with like his offensive profile and just some of the things that I've noticed this season. And it's some of the stuff I have mentioned before, so I hope it doesn't get too redundant. But it should be clear to anyone that Kai is a five and his skill set is tailored for a pick and roll big that should not have much responsibility on his hands. Like you're not trying to get him out of the short roll by any means. You don't want him running off of uh, handoffs and stuff like that. He does not have an outside shooting touch to stretch the defense. And so by placing him in the corner, you know, as a four, as a spacer, that's just not the way to go. And 
even too, when you put the ball in his hands, like he's not going to break down his opponents. And you're, you're kind of a little bit nervous when he puts the ball on the court. if It's not like a straight line to the, um, to the rim. And I think the Hornets played him more like a wing, more like a power forward this year. And that just doesn't play to his strengths. And I get it. Like the, the depth chart, like probably forced him to go over to that because of Nick Richards and, uh, Mark Williams and PJ PJ Washington to a certain extent. And, you know, they played him at the four in summer league. And right then and there, I knew that this was going to be like an uphill battle for him. And so in combination with that and just the depth at the center position, the path to him getting minutes was just going to be very difficult. I guess Plumley too. Like I forgot about him for the first half of the season. <laughs> so to me, BG, at this point, when it comes to his offensive profile, he's like strictly like an like a really just a screener at this point. And I feel like he's got mm-hmm. some ways to go on that end. Yeah. I mean, I think this was always going to take some time with, uh, with Kai and uh, you know, you got to play way more this season than he did a year ago, but still, you know, under 600 minutes in his age 22 season. Um, the career numbers, they're not pretty, you know, 13% usage rate, 20% turnover rate, um, you know, only I think what 16% of his career field goal attempts have been of the three point variety. Uh, He gives you basically nothing as a passer and his shooting range is really limited to within, uh, you know, whatever his arms reach from the, uh, from the rim. Kai's a really special athlete, which is why I think there's, he's going to get some runway to work with in the NBA, whether it's in, Charlotte or somewhere else like he's going to get some chances along the way I think because a guy who's 6'10 6'11 that can that can run and jump and I mean really not just run and jump but like has truly special athleticism and you do see it it's like it does manifest itself like he does block shots at a decent clip he gets offensive rebounds you just wish he could do even some of the more sort of like intuitive offensive stuff to sort of like if he was being played at the four Hypothetically, you wish you could do some more of the like the fluid cutting. You know, obviously you can't really do the spot up shooting, so it's like you got to be able to crash, you got to be able to get in transition, you got to be able to hit the offensive glass. He can do some of that stuff. I just don't think the processing is there fully, and he's not a ball mover either. So, um, yeah, right now his fit offensively is as a, a five that could primarily, I think, screen and dive. But but clearly he has some. He showed at least during his time in Texas that he had, he had some desire to pick and pop and then, you know, shoot threes or attack closeouts in the, in that way. And that was sort of like part of the, I think the theory of, of Kai was that he could be this, this screen threat for LaMelo that could certainly run with LaMelo in transition, but in the half court could give you this really dynamic screening threat that could then do basically, you know, could at least pick and pop and dive and maybe would eventually get there as a short roll type guy too. And, you know, we just haven't really seen any of that outside of the the dives and the and, and the lobs. And again, uh, some of the like highlight stuff he's able to do in transition, but it, it's all very uh, sort of like flash oriented. Like I, at this point, I don't think there's like a foundational component to Kai's game outside of his you know his youth um, and his his athleticism. Like that's still going to be the selling point going forward uh, with uh, with Kai Jones. And and I think the important thing to remember is like, we can talk all we want about where he's best used offensively, 
But then it call it then it raises the question of well, where's his home on the defensive side of the court? Like that to me is like one of the biggest like that that goes hand in hand with the offensive fit with Kai because like he's not a defensive anchor. I mean, they've tried him in some different coverages. They used him to switch. Uh, even you know, in some of his reps with the swarm the last couple of seasons, you've seen him in in kind of a, a drop of sorts. Um, obviously the coaching staff changed uh, between his his uh, first and second year um, in the NBA, but it's like, what's the position with him defensively? What's the coverage with him if he's playing the five? Because he's not really suited on the other side of the court. Like, yes, he can he can give you some highlight blocks, and um, you know there's some some rebounding potential just because of the athleticism. But it's like I don't think he can really do the or at this point. He certainly can't do the like the you know, the Jared Vanderbilt type stuff we were just talking about, right? Like being a, being a force as the low man defensively, something we've seen PJ Washington do something. And I know we're going to talk about JT Thor, but even something that JT Thor has shown um, some capability doing. And he, I just think he's outpaced Kai Jones and um, in, in that regard. So again, he just feels like a guy right now that has a like defined position where he should be used offensively, but it's hard to get him there, not only because of like the positional logjam that they've had, but because like what do you do with him defensively? And Richie, I know you and I talked about this probably midway through the season. It did seem like the route to this would be: can you find some lines with he and PJ Washington, where they were where oh, yeah. they're both sort of like playing like hybrid four five roles, um, and then that way maybe you can you can use Kai as the um you know as your lob guy if you're playing four out with with four round one with pj as a spacer and an you know, additional passer and ball handler and then defensively well then you can sort of just like fit in those coverages depending on matchups um and they just never they they squinted at it and clifford tried it uh, sparingly and it was certainly not <clears throat> not not a big piece of the puzzle for them going forward so this is a big off season for kai like this there's no doubt about it um, you know, I, I, my guess is that he'll, they'll want him to play in summer league. Um, I'm not, I'm not bailing on him yet because again, the athleticism is special, but like, he's got a lot of ground to cover and he's got to really start showing progress here. Um, next season, like, like as soon as possible. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and to your point about defense, I'll go back to that. And you're right. Like, I do think that most of his like strengths lie on that end of the court in terms of just showing up in the numbers, in terms of his like block percentage, and just being very active on that that end. I think when he gets on the court, you definitely see the energy and the activity, and it shows up in so many different ways: rebounding, getting his hands in passing lanes. And I do think he has more versatility on that end in terms of who he can defend. Sometimes it's just the excitement that you see him out there on the like perimeter and guarding, you know, guards and late shot clock situations. And I'm definitely not saying he's a point of attack defender by any means, but like on occasion, he can guard out on the perimeter. He's very active. His hands are active and defensively, like for the strength purposes, he's not going to be able to guard most centers if he doesn't bulk up a little bit. Now, he, had, he did have the second highest block percentage on the team behind Nick Richards, mm-hmm. but it's not one of those things where he is, it's like a man-to-man type of block. It's kind of a lot of times it's just like him being energetic, weak side block, trying to make a play, and he's a great leaper. That that helps him in so many different ways. So yeah, defensively, it's, it's going to be interesting because if you do play him at the five on offense, I'm not necessarily sure that's the way he's going to guard on the other end and trying to find those pairings that work best for him. Yeah, I don't know where I stand in terms of like my confidence level with him moving forward because even with his shot, it feels like his shot, his shot um, form just feels off. Like there's some kind of itch in it and it just... If, if he's going to play the four, obviously you got to have something repeatable on that end. And it just feels like he's either switched things up or, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure. It, it just doesn't look all that pretty from that end. So those are kind of my final thoughts when it comes to Kai. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I mirror some of the, you know, neither one of us are shot doctors, but it does feel like he keeps the ball in his, like the, the shooting pocket a little bit too long. It doesn't feel fluid the lower body mechanics are sort of all over the place and uh yeah like it's just uh it's not a good process right now but but that would be like if he could sort of find you know this is probably a big if because he's shown even going back to his time at texas like he really hasn't shown a lot as a shooter i guess if you want to really really read into the fact that like he shot an okay ball from the free throw line this year, but that was on 19 of 26 attempts. So like, you know, you're not, you're not looking at, there's just not much to go on. There's not a lot of indicators to buy the shot. So he would need to have some sort of like massive, massive growth in in that category to sort of like make him more scalable uh, and more playable in other components of his game. Like, again, I still think there's some pathway to him having some, uh, you know, like, Christian Wood style career where yeah. he, you know, he's like an offensive focused guy that gives you some, you know, some, some rim protection and can juice your transition game and create some matchup issues just because of his athleticism. But like we're, you know, it's going to take some time to get there. And uh, if it, if it is even in the cards uh, for Kai Jones. So 
Um, again, I'm not out on him. I, I don't think my confidence is, is super high at the moment, but you know, luckily, I, luckily, I, that's probably not the right word, but like the Hornets are in a position where they can be a little patient right now. Like it's that, you know, I mean, I'm sure they're going to be trying to like, you know, win next season or we'll see, we'll see what happens with the draft in the off season. But like, as of right now, there is, is some runway to work with. It's just like, what do you do when you're now, when now you can guarantee like Mark Williams is going to be a part of this. Likely PJ Washington is going to be a part of this going forward as well. JT Thor is still in the building. Like there's just, there isn't like a great pathway to like a rotation spot for him. And if that's the case, well then how does he get on the court barring, you know, an injury or something like that. Um, and, and certainly Nick Richards is, is going to be a part of it uh, going for the next few years as well. So it's uh it's tough to see the pathway for Kai, but uh, again, that size, that athleticism, um, is is pretty special. So there's that is enough, I think, to keep me interested, but uh, not feeling overly optimistic at the moment. Yeah, he's good for a highlight play every other game. So that that that's he, good. He's got that. He goal. does. He does some incredible. Some of the like the sprint into like lob catches that he throws down into dunks that he just says seemingly has no business getting like he has, he's had a couple of those in his, his relatively short NBA career. And uh, again, it sort of like, it leaves you just wanting more, you know, because you, you can see that he does stuff that's pretty uncommon even amongst uh, among NBA players. But uh, yeah, we're just, it, it's all theoretical at the moment. And he, he would be a good pairing with Lamella, but kind of seeing them on the court together just doesn't, seem like it's going to be the pathway to go because of all the centers and bigs that he has to jump over. So to me, if he's going to get minutes, it's probably going to have to be at the four position. And I know in our previous player reports episodes, we've given grades, but I I think all three of these players are probably kind of in that incomplete range just because they haven't played a ton of minutes. So we won't spend too much time on the grading of these guys, but let's shift to uh, JT Thor played in 969 minutes this season, averaged 3.8 points and 2.2 rebounds. And to be honest, I was actually low on him coming into the season, probably maybe even lower than Kai, which I, I flip-flop now. And I think out of any of the younger guys, he showed the most improvement on like the margins as the season progressed. And, and, and maybe that was because he didn't have an awesome start to the season, but you do have to love the in-season progression that Thor did have. And I think the biggest place that it showed up in was his shooting. And I, you know, in his first two seasons, he's not been proven to be a three-point shooter, but that started to shift a little bit after the All-Star break. In the games leading up to that February All-Star break, he was shooting 25% from behind the arc. That jumped up to 38% after the break, so a good for a 13% percentage boost there and then he also ended the season i believe i think he ended the season on a streak of 14 straight games with at least one three-pointer made and i think overall like i applaud that improvement and i think a lot of people in the in the building are talking about his work ethic and i think that's going to take him a long way because he you know he's he might be the youngest guy that we're talking about today. I know he's obviously younger than Kai. I don't know about Bryce, but you know his form is still a little awkward, like like Kai Jones. But 
I think his work ethic is going to take him a long way. And I, and he does have limitations. He definitely has limitations. I, I've talked about this throughout the course of the season. The lack of strength plays a big factor in almost everywhere on the court. He's not a guy that gets to the rim or um, or can get all the way to the rim, I should say, because of his frame. He's not attempting a ton of shots uh, at the rim. I looked this up. He averaged 2.75 rim attempts per 100 possessions. Third last on the team. Oh, only Kobe Simmons and Xavier Sneed average less. So, yeah, that, that's a problem for him. He's not creating enough shots in the location, and obviously a byproduct of that is just not drawing the foul. So he's limited. I think he's just a catch-and-shoot shooter on the offensive end. You really can't put the ball in his hands too frequently, kind of like Kai Jones. He's not going to really play make as much. And, yeah, he's not going to really create advantages for other either. So, But I will say this. like I think the shooting progression towards the end of the season was probably my biggest highlight coming from JT Thor. Yeah, so um, not to, not to you know, go back in time too far, but, um, you know, Richie, I remember <clears throat> before the 2021 draft, you and I did a you know, scouting pod on yep. him. Um, Thor's a guy that I liked. Uh, in the 2021 draft, I, I thought it was a, a good pick for the Hornets in this early in the second round. Um, and he was obviously like a pre-draft guy. Like it was a good, a, you were really in actuality, probably should have been a 2022 pick, right? But he, he left after one year at Auburn, the Hornets were able to get him, you know, uh, get his, get his bird rights, uh, get him in house, start developing him, et cetera, et cetera. I do think it created like an interesting development pathway like coming in at the same time with Kai like these sort of like you know hybrid you know front court guys that you're not a hundred percent sure um you know how how they're gonna fit and develop and and work going forward and so I thought that was like a you know a little interesting but I thought Thor had like nice value as a pick and I and I liked him as a prospect and and for whatever it's worth I, I continue to like JT Thor as a prospect in part because of how he played the final, you know, three and a half months of the season. Um, he struggled at summer league, except for maybe like one game. Like I remember, if I'm remembering correctly, Richie, like some of the pods we did during uh, summer league 2022, you know, you, me, Spencer, Lee, I think we were all like a little bummed that uh, he just, he sort of struggled offensively with some of the same things that you were just talking about, like not getting to the rim, Finishing through contact, being out muscled. Did he hit um, a, did he hit a game winner in summer league, or was that two years ago? I can't. Uh, I don't. Rem- I don't remember yeah. honestly. Which <laughs> is <laughs> it's just a little disappointing. I wish I had recall like that. But I remember he had like I think it was one of the last games in Vegas this past summer league. He did play pretty well offensively, and then he got kind of got as the Hornets season got lost this year. You know, he struggled pretty hard right out of the gate. Um, there wasn't a real rotation spot for him. Steve Clifford didn't really have a role for him um, until later in the season. PJ Washington missed didn't miss many games this season, but when he did, that opened up a you know pathway for uh, getting Thor on the court more. And you know, Jaden or someone like McDaniel's gets moved out, and all of a sudden there's you know more more room to roam and in the in sort of like the three four uh, room for the Hornets and. Uh, uh, you know, I think Thor took advantage of that. His shot looks good, like off the catch. Like it is like I really like when he catches in rhythm and, and doesn't hesitate and goes up with it because like his offensive game is gonna is contingent on that being a thing. Because at least for now, so much of his game is just gonna be like, can he space the floor right now? Mm-hmm. Can he and then can he force hard closeouts? 
But like before we get to that, it's got to be like, can he reliably hit shoot from deep? Like he did the final, you know, three months of the season basically. So like being confident, taking those shots and making them at, you know, 37% or whatever, so that he forces a rotation or he forces a closeout. And then what does that, what then what can you do with that? Maybe we're not there quite yet. Um, we'll see. Uh, it would be nice if that could sort of like start to come online more and more for him. But again, for now, he will be pretty jump shot dependent. Um, in preparation for this, I looked this up. Um, four, he had 95 field goals that he made this season. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, only 19 of them came unassisted. It will not surprise you that a lot of those unassisted buckets were like putbacks, right? <laughs> Like, he had very little, very, very, very few, you know, maybe a handful of, like, self-created half-court attempts that he made, um, which that's – if you watch the Hornets, like, that's that's no real surprise. And, you know, we're just not there yet with him. But my hope would be – and one of the things I liked from him out of Auburn was his ability to catch and go. And maybe not get all the way to the rim, but he had, like, a little pull-up game. He had some sort of uh, – uh, some shot versatility with these runners and these floaters, and he could show you some touch on that that sort of made you want to buy into his shot, um, his ability to to be a clever closeout attacker um, as he progressed into the NBA. But um, but but mostly you'd like to see him be able to get all the way to the rim and, and you know rip it down. I thought in a limited sample his rookie season late in the year when he got some spot minutes, he played pretty well, and that sort of like raised expectations. Then summer league didn't go well. And then the start of the season didn't go well. And so I think people got kind of started sort of soured on him a little bit, but I think he played pretty well down the stretch. We talked about the shooting. Um, I would mention his block rate dropped this season um, to just like a little over 2%. But I did think the last month, month and a half of the season, as the Hornets started to improve defensively, they got better in the half court. They got better in the transition game, you know, certainly, Testament to that is you know, Dennis Smith Jr., P.J. Washington, Mark Williams, Nick Richards, like all of those guys deserve some credit. So does J.T. Thor. Um, I thought he did a nice job being like a backline helper and rim protector, not perfectly, but I think he showed some good stuff for a guy that's in his age 20 season. So, again, we're, we're not like here yet with Thor. Like he played under 1,000 minutes this season. He still shot 32% from deep, 40% from the floor, like – there are some real like physical limitations with him at the moment, but the size, his fluidity as an athlete, the shooting upside, and with with his length and his timing and his, his processing, like they're you're looking at a guy that conceivably, like you see the pathway to him being a guy that can like be in a rotation, and also maybe given more development and seasoning, a guy that could be playable like in crunch time minutes or in a postseason game, right? Because he's got. He's got size, positional versatility. He's shown some potential as like a backline helper and rim protector, and he can shoot. And so like, or he might be able to shoot. I guess I shouldn't, can't say that with full confidence yet. But like, you can see what I'm talking about, right? Like there is, there's a guy here who should be able to do a couple things defensively and offensively if the shot continues to come along. Well, then all of a sudden he gives you some some spacing. He gives you a guy that can run in transition. He'll let the offensive glass. He'll cut. Like he's shown some some uh, some uh, comfort doing that type of stuff. So um, I'm happy that he played well down the stretch because then you can at least go into the off season um, with 
with stuff armed with stuff to say, like, here's what you do well. Here's where you need to work on. Here's why we're positive about you going forward. Now let's get in the gym and and continue to work. And as you were sort of mentioning, Richie, it seems like you don't have to twist this guy's arm uh, to to get him to want to improve. So at age 20, with with his length and and some of the the upside that he brings to the table, like, yeah, I'll still go with you like on an incomplete for Thor, but I am feeling um, I'm feeling like reasonably confident going forward with with JT. Yeah, I guess it depends on what kind of hopes you had for him heading into the season. And uh, if you had low hopes, maybe he exceeded your expectations. If you had a little bit of a higher hopes, I just kind of went down the middle and just said incomplete. I didn't want to give it a great yeah, yeah, yeah. one yeah. way or the other. And um, I know you, you did a great job talking about his offensive game and reiterated some of the things that I said, but also just went on and on about you know some great things that he does do well. And you can kind of envision that role that he can have. Um, but defensively, I want to I want you, you kind of talked about it, but I want to know your thoughts on uh, his defensive game. It, yeah, it was weird how his uh, block rate went down. He's yeah. not much of a guy that created a whole lot of events this year because his steal percentage is not great either. But he is a guy that gets in his stance, moves around, he chases, he competes, and there is some versatility in his game. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not going to give that obvious blow by. He's going to stay with his man. I think his length allows him to contest shots from basically all over the court. I think currently, and, and maybe I'm looking at it wrong. That's why I'm asking you. But to me, he is better suited to guard out on the perimeter, mostly because of the lack of strength that he has right now. So if he mm-hmm. does get blown by uh, on the perimeter and he's maybe a step and a half behind, he at least has the ability to recover and, and make a block with his length. Now, in the post, I, I guess we really haven't seen a ton of post defense from him, but I, I just can't imagine him being that great uh, in terms of uh, bodying up a four, definitely not a five. But yeah, what, what do you think? What do you think about him in terms of like what he's going to be able to guard threes and fours? Yeah, I think that's where he's suited for. And, and ultimately, like I think you want the versatility from him to do that. I, mean, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy you're putting on a team's primary ball handler and he's you know navigating a hundred screens or whatever per game because like at least like he's not there yet and that's also by the way that's another area where the strength would help him too is being able to fight through and and get over get over screens um i'm probably like i like his i think one-on-one perimeter defense even going back to his his rookie season i remember they had a game against toronto that year where like uh, he played well in the game, and um, he had a couple possessions on Scotty Barnes and a couple on Siakam. Both those guys scored on him, and like, there's no shame in Pascal Siakam scoring on you. And it was simply because they just like they outmuscled him, but like he was right there. And so I kind of like him maybe having some potential to guard some of the more like trickier matchup guys in in the NBA. Like you're like hybrid. The, the opposing hybrid forwards that are, you know, 20% usage type guys, you know, that are, they're going to get isolation. They're going to get some pick and roll. Um, I like him being able to do that. But again, I did think there was enough uh, late in the season with him as like a backline helper to make me think that there's some potential and some upside for him there too. So I think with him, it's a mix basically, which is, I hope that doesn't sound like, like a, like a cop out, but it's like, I do kind of want him um, at times on the perimeter. And at times I would want him being the guy that's like, in theory, like in, in the, you know, the, an ideal scenario is also helping, um, you know, uh, protect the rim and be disruptive on the back line. Like I, 
I know he didn't create a ton of events this season, just 22 steals, 23 blocks in a thousand minutes, basically. But I, I think there's like, I, again, I just think there's given his, um, given his length and given the fact that like he can keep his head above water at times in those roles that I, I do think there's a chance for him to be more disruptive defensively as a helper. Yeah. And I, I trust his ability to be a low man and also be able to recover out to shooters if he needs to. So I think he has a little bit of both. I don't think it's a cop-out answer at all. I yeah, yeah. kind of where I'm at too with him. Yeah. All right. You want to get to Bryce McGowan's to finish this up? Let's do it. All right. Bryce McGowan's played in 46 games, averaged 5.3 points, two rebounds, 1.2 assist. He is just 20 years old and he had his two way contract converted to a four year deal. So three more seasons after this one, I did not write about him uh, because of that arbitrary number that I talked about. Um, But let's go ahead and talk about him uh, out of Nebraska here, his rookie season. I think what's interesting or odd, I don't know what you want to call it. When I was preparing for this, my eye test and my observations didn't always necessarily equate to some of the numbers. And I felt like they were conflicting. So either my eye test is wrong or or I don't trust these numbers. So, for example, I thought he did a really good job, had a habit of getting to the rim. And I think that just as that's just his nature as a player to be aggressive. And you look at the rim attempts per 75 possessions, and he's only averaging 3.6 rim attempts per 75 possessions, which is not necessarily one that would be considered an aggressive player. Although he did draw a good bit of fouls. I also thought that he was a good defensive rebounder. And I think he like, high points the ball really well. He doesn't allow the ball to travel down too long. He attacks it. So that same aggression that you see on the offensive end is converted over to the defensive end on the boards. But then when I looked up his defensive rebounding percentage, it was on the lower end. So I don't know. I think with players like him, when you don't get a ton of minutes in the season, sometimes the numbers can be deceiving, or maybe I'm just giving too much credit to my eye test. So those are like the initial things that I, that I, kind of noted over the course of the season, just his aggression and getting to the rim, drawing fouls, and then his aggression on the defensive boards in terms of just attacking that ball, not worried about the players around him. If he got fouled, he got fouled. If he bobbled the ball, he bobbled the ball, but he was not, he was not passive by any means. Yeah. 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 I think, I think Bryce had like a, a, a solid finish in, you know, the kind of wacky part of a lost season, you know, it's tough to put a ton of, Merit into numbers in March and April that don't mean a ton. Although, like, you know, I don't know. Charlotte was still like competing, obviously, but you know, depends on who they're playing against, that type of stuff. Um, I thought McGowan's overall had like a you know pretty solid rookie season, somewhat encouraging. Um, it's kind of about what I would have expected from him this year. Not just in, not necessarily like the numbers, which yeah, I suppose, but sort of kind of like what I thought his fit and role would would look like for this team. It's a guy that I, I watched a decent amount at Nebraska. I liked him uh, coming into the draft last season. I remember Lee and I were both uh, pretty, pretty pleased with this pick the night of the 2022 draft, which uh, <laughs> was a day that will live on uh, for some time uh, in the history of the Charlotte Hornets. But getting McGowns in the second round was a, I think a solid pickup. I do kind of wish I saw, I do kind of wish I saw some more like, outlier type like shooter creator upside from him like I this is maybe not a fair comparison but just like as much as like a guy like Monk struggled his freshman year or pardon me his rookie year 
um, with the Hornets, I just think there was something about um, his movement, his ability to get off shots from different levels of the court. Again, just like his sort of like knack for scoring that should make what he is now, like not all that surprising. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, like it was obviously going to take some time. Like all he could really do as like an undersized two guard when he first came in was, uh, was was shoot and take tough shots but you know again for guys for players like that it really does take some time and it, and it did it took Malik at least three years and it's really taken him like five or six years uh to really really find himself so I'm not sure I see like with McGowan's like that kind of like that kind of like like combustible score um hopefully I'm wrong like like I think there's some chance that he does become a just like a, a guy that can really be like a uh you know a bucket getter but that doesn't mean I don't see like an NBA uh, player here. In fact, I, I kind of think I do like a six, 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 seven guy that can play with and without the ball um, can run a pick and roll moves can be a cutter um, can do some grab and go stuff in transition. Like I like those little like Euro gather moves yeah, that he, yeah. he does. Um, he can really like uh, not only like cover ground with that, but he makes himself like compact um, and then he's able to sort of like get through contact in the final third. I think he showed, I mean, again, he's going to need to get stronger, but even, I think he showed some nice stuff finishing through contact at times this season. Like he's got a ways to go. Like it, it's not there yet, obviously, but he did have some nice finishes. If you go back through his film, um, you know, finishing going downhill, I liked him as a cutter at Nebraska. And I think we saw some, not a lot, but some nice half court movement from him uh this season and then one of my favorite parts about his game late in the season was this is sort of similar to to Thor which is like he starts you know with a little bit more confidence shooting catch and shoot threes right you know spot up off the catch and then all of a sudden when he's able to do with that if teams do have to close all the way out on him or are closing all the way out on him well then McGowan's like he was unlocking like a pretty nice catch and go game I, I kind of thought the last four or five weeks of the season, that was one of the more encouraging things we saw from the Hornets' young guys was McGowan's, their you know, pick and roll would be run on the right side of the floor. He'd be spotted up to the left wing. Um, you know, DSJ swings it to him or Lamella before he gets hurt or Maldon when he was all of a sudden back in the rotation ball get, or Hayward ball gets swung. McGowan's, you know, relocates, catches, and is able to, you know, sort of like shot fake, drop that back foot, plant and go. And I think both as a finisher and as like, like a guy who could like slash and get downhill. And as a guy that could maybe make one more pass in those sort of like live dribble attacking and scramble defense situations. Like I think he showed some stuff there. So um, overall, like I, I come away like pretty impressed with McGowan's as a guy that like can play without the ball uh, because of the cutting, because of the, maybe some of the upside. Like he shot better, a better number, from three this season in the NBA than he did at Nebraska, just in terms of the percentage. And if you saw all the shots he took at Nebraska, you would understand why. Lots of like deep, deep threes, lots of off dribble threes, et cetera. The thing I will be looking for him moving forward will be like continuing to improve that spot up jumper, continuing to get stronger. Because again, there's some, there's some stuff to tap into with his length and his athleticism as a finisher. Um, And then the other thing would just be sort of like, where does the pick and roll game go from here? Like right now, I think he's very much like wired to score or make very simple passes in it. Um, so like again, he's a guy that can play without the ball, but I think 
if you really want to like make a splash with this pick, it's like, is this a guy that you could ever like run offense through? Um, and I don't think that possibility is like out the door at the stretch by any means. So um, I like, I like McGowan's as a prospect moving forward. I thought he had like a, like I said, overall a, a, a solid, um, you know, a solid rookie season, but you know, he only played 18 minutes and had a 15% usage rate. So it's like, you know, how much can you, how much can you really read it, you know, read into that? Um, I do think he played pretty well with Greensboro this season too. Um, and that probably should get baked into the cake as well. Right. I agree with you in terms of his offensive game and, being a, a guy that can be a closeout beater. I, that's what I liked about him, too, in just terms of getting downhill. But obviously, you've got to have that three-point shot to leverage that uh, gravity from the opponents to get them out there and then beat them off the closeout. Now, I don't think the numbers back this up, but I, I feel like I either remember tweeting about it, observing it, making notes about it in Summer League where he did have some good dump-off passes. Now, that's mm-hmm. that's different than running the pick-and-roll, but like on the second yeah. side, after it swung a couple times and he gets to driving – and the defense is just kind of in scramble mode, he can make that dump-off pass. But, yeah, running the pick-and-roll right now, it's probably a little bit shaky at that point. He's probably better suited just off-ball. And I think one thing to kind of compare him to Monk, obviously he's a second-round pick, so you're not expecting him to be... For sure. Yeah, right. I know you weren't weren't going to really compare them, but, yeah, you could definitely see the difference between what Monk brought early on versus what Bryce is. And defensively, like I was just looking over my notes throughout the course of the season. I, first off, it's just too early to tell. And one thing that I feel like I repeated myself, whether that was on the pod or whether that was through just Twitter, like the lack of physicality and how yeah. we can get pushed around at 175 pounds. So that's kind of all I have on Bryce. I don't know if you have any parting thoughts with him. He is of the three guys that we're talking about today, probably the one that I have, I can I fluctuate on him in terms of where he could go. I feel pretty confident in terms of how I view JT Thor after this season and Kai Jones, obviously, uh, too. But yeah, Bryce could go any kind of direction with him. I could see him flaming out of the league, but I could also see him becoming a little bit of a rotational player as well. Yeah, yeah, nothing more to add on Bryce. Again, I was mostly encouraged by what I saw from he and Thor this season. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm just sort of excited to see what Charlotte is able to add like um to the to the mix in terms of young players because uh, they need to add more to the pipeline here, but it doesn't mean the pipeline's totally empty. And guys like Thor, guys like McGowan's, Kai Jones, uh potentially, like there's there's still some, you know, there's some hope there as well. So, uh but the a lot of work to to be done, uh, obviously. But happy that McGowan's uh, like looks like he'll be a part of the picture here uh, for uh, for some time. And look, yeah. I know he's a second round pick, but give that guy credit. Like he did, like at least for the end of this, the back half of this season, like he jumped James Booknight and the, the hierarchy for the organization. So for him to come in and uh, you know go up going up against an older guy, um, a lottery pick from the season prior. Um, McGowan's outperformed him. Um, you know, he was the best sort of like young two guard on the roster this season, um, which maybe isn't saying much, but, um, it is like another, you know, it's something, it's another thing to mention with McGowan's, I think. And as we get out of here, last thing I wanted to mention, I I know I mentioned that he was aggressive and drawing fouls, but he actually had the third highest shooting foul drawn rate at 17.2 behind Nick Richards and and Plumlee. So that's awesome to see out of a guard. So, 
we yeah. appreciate everyone tuning into this episode. Um, I think we're done with our player reports. We're going to shift our focus over to more of the offseason mode with the draft. And obviously, free agency is a little bit farther down the line, but we'll get there. And as always, subscribe to us. Visit buzzbeat.substack.com for information about our private podcast feed. And for Brian, I'm Richie. Take care. Take care.